As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by the OldTimeRadioDVD.com. Check out our new website. It's got a great selection. Old Time Radio, classic movies, serials, and classic TV and more. Check it out today at OldTimeRadioDVD.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we take pleasure in presenting another of the stories especially selected for us by Edwin Balmer, the distinguished editor of Red Book Magazine. Editor Balmer is here to tell you why he selected Under the Midnight Sun by Farron Fraser for Red Book. Mr. Balmer. Thank you, Mr. Clemenger. We didn't think it possible to find a new sort of detective story until Farron Fraser sent in the one which is about to be presented to you. The whole situation is different, and most especially the detective is different. It's a pleasure to pass on to you the story Under the Midnight Sun. Before we begin this thrilling mystery story, I shall introduce the characters. Here is Blaine, the newspaper reporter who told this story to the author. I'm Blaine. The time sent me up there to cover the story of that flight over the North Pole. I'll never forget that morning as long as I live. The huge plane with the drumming of its motors splitting the cold, crisp air of the Arctic dawn. And the four men, more foolhardy than heroic, waiting to take off over the frozen roof of the world. Roger Mason, the pilot... Vince Tomeno, the radio operator, Jack Casey, the navigator, and Swanson, the observer. Left behind with me was Wyland, the newspaper photographer. But here he is now. I'm Wyland, the newspaper photographer here to snap pictures of the takeoff and to help Blaine get a first-hand story of the flight. But instead of the story of a polar flight, we got a different and far more amazing tale. Here is Sally Mason, another one of the four white people left behind. I'm Sally Mason. I came up here with my husband, Roger Mason who's to pilot the plane on its polar flight. I know Roger's coming back. I, I know he's coming back. There now, Mrs. Mason, of course Roger's coming back. Here is Helen Aintree coming. Her husband, who broke his leg just three days ago, is laid up and cannot make the flight. It was he who furnished the money. There's something very cruel about that smile of hers as she's saying goodbye to the boys. Mrs. Aintree, will you come over here, please? Mrs. Aintree. I am Helen Aintree. My husband is backing this fool flight. And now they're going at last after a lot of fighting. And all. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, Roger. Goodbye, Kira. Come back. Come back soon. Well, there they go. God keep them safe. Oh, don't you worry, Sally. They'll make it. Come back from Spitsbergen, famous and loaded down with contracts. You'll see. I got some swell pictures of the takeoff. Say it was a grand getaway, wasn't it? 
Or say, Blaine, there's that Eskimo fellow, Do-Re-Mi. He's waving at you on the other bank. Hi, Do-Re-Mi, you want me? Miss Blaine, you come here a minute. Be right there, Do-Re-Mi. All right, what's on your mind? Come to Shack, Mr. Aintree Shack. Aintree Shack, what's he want? Mr. Aintree, dead. Aintree? Dead? Shot. But but he was sitting by himself in there with a broken leg. Mr. Aintree, shot. Hey, Wyland, put down those cameras a minute and come here. Tell the girls we'll meet him at the store and go on ahead. Say, Blaine, what the dickens is wrong? You look sort of funny. Do-Re-Mi says Aintree is over in his shack. Dead. What? But he only had a busted leg. He was all right an hour ago. I left him sitting up, wrapped in blankets, smoking a cigar. You were there yourself. He wanted us to wish the boys good luck. Doremi says he's been shot. We went to the shack. The room was stifling. In the excitement of the morning, we'd forgotten to turn off the stove, I guess, and the iron glowed red with heat. Aintree still sat in his armchair, but he slumped sideways, and his head was fallen forward on his breast. Gee, this is tough. Smack through the heart. Terrible. And it's like a furnace in here. Doremi, shut off that stove. Stove, plenty hot. We can't stand staring, Wyland. Give me a hand. We Where? Where's the gun he did it with? The gun, sure, the gun. Must it must have fallen in his lap there. Here, we'll shake out the blanket and... There isn't any gun in this blanket. It's not on the floor by his chair. Or, why, there it is, look. Under this table by his chair, right here. how that gun get there, Mr. Blaine? It dropped from Aintree's hand, of course. He shot himself. No good, Mr. Blaine. Mr. Aintree holds things with right hand. Gun fall under table on left hand side. Blast it, Blaine, that's right. Aintree was right-handed. That gun couldn't have dropped under the table on the left-hand side, see? Wyland, I... I believe you're right. I'm afraid I am, Blaine. Aintree was murdered. Murdered? It wasn't you or I, Blaine. We've been together all morning. The two women were the only others in camp with the airmen this morning. And Blaine, Mason and Tomeno, Casey, Swanson, Great Scott, it must have been one of them. One of them. Somebody come... It's the women. Hold that door, Wyland. What in the world are you boys doing in there? Let us in. Oh, please, Sally, Helen, don't come in. But of course I'll come in. What do you mean by holding the door of my cabinet closed against me? Don't be ridiculous, Mr. Wyland. My husband's in there. Helen, please wait. Something's happened. Something's happened? Then of course I'll come in. Wyland, let me by. Where's... Richard! What's the matter with Richard? Richard! What's happened to you? Easy, Helen. Easy. Easy there, old girl. Now, please. Your husband was shot. Murdered? How? When? There. There's the gun, Mrs. Aintree. It it must have happened sometime before the plane took off this morning. Yes. Listen to me. Roger Mason did this. Helen Aintree, how can you say such a thing? Yes, your husband killed him. Only last night I heard him distinctly say to Roger, I could kill a man for taking, talking like that, Aintree. Oh, that's ridiculous. Your husband said he'd sacrifice 20 pilots to develop one good engine. And Roger grew angry. Roger told me about it. He killed Roger. He hated him always. And yes, just before they took off this morning, I saw Roger Mason run back into the shack. That's right. I saw him too. We all saw Mason come here. I'm terribly sorry Mr. Aintree is dead. 
But when you stand there and accuse Roger, I won't have it. It's true. Roger was Mason knew he was leaving on this pole of flight. Nobody could check up on him for days. Plenty of time to hide the evidence. Helen, please. Mr. Blaine, look here. What is it? Mr. Aintree smoked cigar. Where is his cigar? His cigar? Well, well, I don't see any cigar. What about it? Well, that's right. He was smoking. There are ashes on the floor. Cigar gone. Someone take. Why someone take Mr. Aintree's cigar? Blaster, we can't stand here babbling about a cigar butt. Look here, Mrs. Aintree, will you please go? Go to your room. Help her along, Wylan. Come along, Mrs. Aintree. That woman's husband did it. Roger Mason did it. Oh, what that woman says is preposterous. I know, Sally, sure. Oh, Roger wouldn't do a thing like this just because he was angry. You, you don't believe it was Roger? There, of course not. Please don't you get excited. One hysterical woman in the party is bad enough. I'll go to my shack. I won't trouble you. Please let me know if anything happens. This is fierce. All I could do to get Mrs. Aintree quieted. Fire in stove burning low. Why fire in stove burning low? It was turned on full blast, that's why. Shake it up, will you, before it goes out. Why fire turn on full blast? Confounded do Ramey. Fix that fire. Yes, Mr. Blaine. Say, Blaine, look here. Aintree's blanket scattered all over with cigar ashes. What do you suppose did become of his cigar? What could that have to do with it, man? Listen, it does look a little black for Roger Mason. And you say Swanson had an automatic like this one? Yes, I saw it. But say, Mason wasn't the only one to come to this shack. Casey came over here, too. Jack Casey? Sure, you remember? He wanted to write a letter to his mother for someone to send her if, if they didn't get through. That's right, Casey gave me the letter. But why should he kill Aintree? Didn't he owe Aintree money or something? Gee, and for that matter, so did Tomeno. Say, you know what a terrific temper that Italian kid has. He could have done it, too. He went up to the store for a minute, and he might have come to this shack. The engine of that plane was roaring, warming up almost an hour before they got away. Sure, it gone the sound of the gunshot. Somebody planned this. Miss Blaine. What now? Look. Find this button in stove ashes. Why, it's a glove button, a snap off a glove. No button in ash last night when I cleaned stove. Why glove button in ashes? Great Scott, how should we know? Somebody turned stove on plenty hot to burn glove quick. That's how glove button come in ash. Why should anyone want to get rid of a glove? Because glove already burned by cigar. Killer come holding gun to shoot Mr. Aintree. Mr. Aintree hold up hand with cigar. Scared. Cigar burn hole in killer's glove. By George, that's an idea. Wyland, we've got to do something quick. The nearest police are 300 miles away. Is your wireless outfit working? It was this morning. We'll try it. Well, we'll have to shoot a message through to Spitsbergen and hold those four men when they land. We've got to stop them if we can. I got through to Spitsbergen, all right. The static is fierce. I can't seem to locate the plane, though. Try to get the plane. Give her everything you've got. You bet. Who's that? Come in. It's me. Oh, I can't stand it waiting like this and thinking that Helen ain't... Wait, wait, here's something. That's Tomeno's call. Get it, Blaine. It's the plane. They're down. What's happened to them? What is it? The plane is forced down on the ice. A hundred miles from the pole. There goes the receiving set. They've smashed. She's down. Cracked up a wing in a forced landing. They'll never come back. Oh, not them. They'll get back. Roger will get back. He's got to. 
next few hours were tense ones, believe me. We lost touch with the ship and couldn't get her again. Wyland and I stuck by the radio. Sally Mason waited bravely in her cabin, and Helen Aintree stayed by her dead husband who sat with the blood stain spreading on his pocket in the room where the stove went cold. Here we were, four white people beyond the Arctic Circle, far from civilization. And further still, four more of us marooned on the ice and somewhere among us a murderer. A terrible situation and a strange one. But strangest of all, that a little Eskimo named Do-Re-Mi. Miss Blaine, Miss Wyland, can I come in? Yes. What have you got now for us? I been think, Miss Blaine. Find out way to catch who killed Miss Aintree. How? One who killed Miss Aintree burn glove on Miss Aintree's cigar. Then burn up glove in stove. All of us have gloves because it is cold. Now, Miss Wyland have picture box. He take picture of everybody just before plane start. One in picture have only one glove. Yes? He who have only one glove kill Miss Aintree. He's got it, Wyland. It would be in that photograph you took. Great Scott, can you develop that plate? Yes, sure. I've got all the dope right here. Hold this stuff. We'll have that picture in 30 minutes. Hold this. Here's the plate. Hold it. Wyland, listen. What's that? It's a plane. Motors. It's a ship. It's their ship. Get out of my way. Watch out. The photographic plate, our one clue, smashed on the floor, knocked from my hand by Wyland's dash from the door. We stumbled out to the field in time to see the great silver ship make a splendid landing. I could see where the damaged wing had been crudely repaired. I could see Swanson, Tomano, Casey, and Mason, oil-stained and grinning, leap to the ground. Sally Mason, arms outstretched, fled across the snow to greet them. Wyland and I, we stood watching, watched the little crowd march off toward Sally's shack. And then the unexpected happened. Say, look, look, the plane, it's starting up by itself. Who's in there? Stop it. It's moving. Hey, who is taking that plane? Helen Aintree. Stop her. Stop that plane. There it goes. No can stop now. She know. I know too. Cold, ice, dark. Make Eskimo know things. She know like husband. He too old. She think plain and men no come back from north. She take chance. Kill husband. Make four men look guilty. Good chance, but she lose. Now she take chance, run away, and she lose again. Doremi pointed at the sky where the silver ship was fleeing. In the shocked silence, the rest of us stared. The midnight sun was darkening. Clouds were swarming on the western horizon. The first freezing flakes of a coming blizzard whipped about us as we watched and the plane was blotted from the sky. Red Book Magazine gave us special permission to broadcast this story, Under the Midnight Sun, written by Farron Fraser. Next week at this same time, we take pleasure in announcing that we will present another story in dramatic form from Red Book Magazine. Some places take you away. 
Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.